0: Well, good morning and welcome to Westchester. I'm sure some of you are visiting family for Christmas and we're delighted to have you join us today. And for those of you who are online watching from home and those who are are unable to join us for health reasons, we welcome you here as well. And uh, we love you and we miss you and we are praying for you. Let's pray together today. Dear Heavenly Father, Uh, We long for the day when we see you face to face. God, we thank you for being and bringing the light. And we remember that this season as we just celebrated the birth of your son. Help us to live in that light and to spread that light. Please remove the darkness from our hearts and our actions. Help us to hear clearly from you today. Amen. Uh, Well, you're probably sick of hearing about the light by this point. We've been talking about it for Advent. um, And now that Advent is over, I'm sure you were hoping that we get to move on to something else. And uh, I apologize. I just felt like we needed to continue at least one more week when we look at the light because we've been studying John over Advent and in 1 John, a letter that he writes, he continues to talk about the light and I think even takes it a step further. So I thought we would be remiss if we didn't address that. And so as I talked about, we over Advent looked at the light and if you remember, we looked at how uh, John the Baptist announces and proceeds. The light. We looked at how Jesus was a light of man and that he is the true light and is the light that is full of grace and truth. And again, how could we not then continue to learn more about what John's thoughts are on the light? And so that brings us to the letter of 1 John. So if you want to turn there, that's where we will be. Today in 1 John is a circular letter that was written to the churches and to believers. And one of the major reasons that 1 John was written to was to combat Gnosticism. And I'm sure you were all really looking forward to the Sunday after Christmas learning about Gnosticism. (laughs) So here we go. Um, So John is going to be addressing Gnosticism. I just wanted to give you a couple of the the main ideas of Gnosticism so we see why he's talking about light in the way that he does. Okay, there's a couple major ideas in the Gnostic belief. That is that the physical or matter is evil. All physical things are bad and the spirit is good salvation does not come through faith in Christ. However, salvation comes through this special knowledge that we can acquire and this sort of hidden mystery that we look at. And in fact, there were kind of two branches of Gnosticism. The one that John is writing about or combating here is called Cerinthianism and because matter is evil and spirit is good, they really wrestle with the person of Jesus because we say that Jesus came physically, bodily, at the birth and that he was divine as well as human. Well, they can't believe that. And so they believe that the divine Jesus came at baptism and then left before his death because he wouldn't have experienced something so physical as death. And there's really two responses to this Gnostic thought, which in a way kind of uh, don't exist very well together. Because the physical is bad, you treat your body really harshly. And so there was a a time when they were really against the body. And yet, because this physical is bad, they also just sort of uh, lived however they wanted. And they really were very hedonistic in their lifestyles. And so that then is the entrance to John's Letter. That's what he's trying to fight here. And so he's going to focus on God being the light and that it's not this dark mystery that we need to wrestle with, that God has revealed himself and there's no more darkness and that Christianity is about love and, and sharing and grace and mercy. And so again, uh, this is where John's letter enters. And so we're going to be in 1 John, and I'm going to start in verses 5 through 7, and I'll read those now. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sins. Now in these past couple weeks we've been looking at the light and there's some properties of light that I know I mentioned in my sermon and I heard throughout uh, the rest of Advent that I just wanted to reiterate here. Light illuminates and reveals. Light guides people to a place. It brings life. And when we understand the properties of light that in a way helps us understand the heart of God and what his desire is. God's desire is for openness and transparency and for fellowship. And this fellowship brings me to the next point of God is light. You can go to the next slide and then to the next one. And if God is light, I wanted to make it very clear that God is triune, that God is trinity. Uh, Chuck, if you were here for our Christmas Eve service, was very clear about this as well, and I appreciated that. We focused on Jesus all this Advent time, and that is appropriate as we're celebrating his birth, but we also need to recognize that God the Father and the Holy Spirit are part of the Trinity, and the Trinity is one. And so all three persons of the Trinity are going to be illuminating and guiding and bringing life. And so we celebrate Jesus, but we don't forget about the Trinity. And in fact, in verse 7, we see both God and Jesus, and we see them as light. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so we see that God is the light as well. And again, just a little side note, because I want to make it very clear what we believe about Jesus. He was not just spirit. He is fully human as well. We need his blood. And verse 7 makes that clear. It is the blood of Jesus, his son, that cleanses us from all sin. And so we worship a divine trinity with a man, Jesus. Now hopefully the idea of light has been pretty well covered in these last couple weeks. And you can go back and listen again. I'm not going to try to rehash all of that. But there is one last point that I think is worth reminding us as we look at the fact that God is light. And that is that God does not coexist with darkness. There is no darkness at all. Which is why the work of Jesus is so important to us. Because his death and resurrection are the things that we rely on for salvation. And so, if God doesn't coexist with darkness, we can't have darkness in ourselves. And it is the light of Jesus Christ that drives out the darkness and, as verse 7 says, cleanses us from sin. And so, we have this picture of God is the light. And that then brings us to where I feel like John is really going to start expanding here on what we've studied in the past weeks. And that's more of the focus now on us. What does it mean for us? John is going to flesh this out. And when he was writing his gospel, he was really trying to communicate who Jesus was to those, those readers. And now as we get this letter in 1 John, he's writing to the churches A little bit more about what does it mean to be a follower of Christ what does the Christian life look like and so if God is light what does that mean for us and the first thing we see is that we walk in the light now we don't base our salvation off of works Um, we can't do enough to earn or become light in and of ourselves But once we accept the light of Christ, things change. Our attitude and our actions are going to be different than before. Okay, when Jesus enters and now we are walking in the light, there's going to be a difference. There's no shadows, there's no hidden things. Remember I talked about that God is a God of openness and transparency and John is calling the church to recognize that change. You are all different Because of Christ in your life. I want to read verse 6 again and focus a little here. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And I think one thing we need to realize when we're talking about walking in the light is that we can deceive ourselves. There are people who claim Christ but don't walk in the light. And I think when we hear this and we read this and we think there are people out there who are deceiving, we, the gut reaction, the gut desire is to look outward at other people and say, which of my friends at church isn't really following Jesus? Which one is actually walking in the dark? And I would encourage you, and this will be a theme for the rest of my sermon, is to look inwardly first. Where is my heart at? Where are my attitudes and actions This should be a call for us to go to repentance and a recommitment to Jesus. This idea of the fact that there are people who are deceiving themselves and not walking in the light should not be the call to judge others, but instead to look inwardly. And then when we do look outwardly, instead of judging, I think what we need to have is more a realization that we need to be careful who we listen to. Claiming Christ isn't the measure of what makes someone worth listening to. Okay, verse 7 shows us the marker for what it looks like to walk in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so that desire for fellowship and unity and love for one another is the thing that we should be looking for when we are looking outward to see who we should be listening to. Now let's read on to verses 8 through 10 as we continue with We Walk in the Light. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And again, there's this idea of sort of deceiving ourselves, right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And again, this is in a way sort of what that Gnostic idea was of that there's this sort of sinful flesh that I want to remove myself from and then my spirit can be uh, without sin. And so John is addressing that saying, no, you are fooling yourself if you say you are not sinning. And as Christianity is spreading, as the church is growing, John with his pastoral heart wants to protect the church and point out false ideas. He wants to help this new church grow in a way that is appropriate and beneficial. And the work of Jesus still matters here. And that's what I want to look at now because I think sometimes we... We evaluate salvation as this one-time thing. I talked about this with my last sermon, but again, it just struck me again that Jesus' work of salvation is something that we need to be daily reminded of. We daily rejoice in the salvation that comes through the work of Jesus. And also, we need to emulate the work of Jesus in that salvation, in this, the love and the sacrifice that he showed and so as we walk in the light first of all we need to not be deceived and and lie to ourselves we need to be very aware of where our heart is but also we need to walk in the light and daily remind ourselves of the work of Jesus who is the light and the example for us and that leads us to the last point in this section which is that when we walk in the light that does not equal perfection. Now John is speaking to those who walk in the light. He's speaking to the church. This is a a letter to all the churches around. And he's reminding them of their sin. You continue to sin. And while we are still on earth, we are going to have these two competing natures. We have a sin nature and a Christly nature. And those are going to be competing against each other. And there are times when we are successful in putting our sin nature to death. And there are times when our sin nature... Rears its head and succeeds. And I'm not saying that then we lose our salvation. That's very clearly not what I'm saying here. That when we walk in the light, we're not going to be perfect. But the good news is, is that Jesus is. And he's the one whose work we, we rely on. But when John says we are confronted with our sin, what should we do? We confess. We need to recognize and work to remove sin From our life. As we walk in the light, it says that God cannot coexist with darkness. We work actively to continue to remove sin and work with the Holy Spirit on becoming more like Christ and more sanctified. And again, as we talk about walking in the light not equaling perfection, I think we need to look inward first. Okay? Be very aware of our own sin before looking outward and seeing the sins of others. But when you look outward, please be kind and remember that even your pastors and your church family are all sinners and we're going to continue to sin even as we try our best to walk in the light and it's a good thing we serve a forgiving and merciful God. Now John ends this look at the light with the idea that we show the light to others and we show them that when we love them and so we love in the light and this is where I want to spend the bulk part of my application for the sermon and I think it's where John really ends and where he focuses as well. So we've looked at the fact that because God is light and and because we walk in the light, and now John says, because of those things, do this. I'm going to read now, we're skipping a little bit, chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. And I think right away John gives us this interesting idea. Uh, this is not a new commandment, but an old commandment, but it's also a new commandment. So you think, man, that John could write a little clearer. Well, it's an old commandment because we get to look at some things in the Old Testament, like Leviticus 19:18: "You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord." This is not a new commandment. The church knew that God is love. There's not this Old Testament wrathful God who wasn't loving and now we have the New Testament loving God that we get to be happy about. No, God is and always has been love. It's not a a new commandment. It's an old commandment and you know it. But it is new because there's a couple things that make it new. There's the new example of what love is for your brother looks like. And that's the example of Jesus on the cross. That amount of sacrifice and willingness to serve. Then there's the new commandment because Christ teaches about love and, and fleshes out more of what that looks like if you're going to be a follower of his. And then also there's this new commandment because we're in a new era where the church is working to spread the gospel and share that love with the world around them and so the church era should be one that is filled with love and guess what that is where we are at right now we are still part of that church era and so that command or that instruction that new commandment is for us as well we should love and we love in and because of the light and that brings us to our second point If we walk in the light, we can't hate, because hate doesn't coexist with the light. It says, if you hate your brother, you are walking in darkness. I think this is the thing that struck me the most this week as I'm preparing for this sermon, is how often I myself allow hate to be the first thing, Uh, that I feel for those around me. And maybe you, I mean, if I'm being nice to myself, I wouldn't call it hate. It's a a dislike or something like that. But it isn't love. It's not a, a sacrificial brotherly love. And so I wanted to spend a little bit, how do we love our brothers? If this is the call, if we need to be loving others, if we're going to expand the light of Christ and show that we love because of the light, how do we do that? And I'm going to give you three words that were helpful to me. Um, because they, they rhyme, and I really like rhyming words. And it helps me understand how we can love those around us. And I think the first thing we do is we... It's, I'm, I just ruined my verb tense. We prayer <laughs> Prayer is the first thing, right? Um, we, we love our brothers through prayer, and so we pray for those who are around us. In fact, my mom is... Uh, Probably upset that I would talk about her because she would not consider herself a a theologian to an extreme degree. But she had a really good thing to do. If you're ever fighting with your siblings or upset with someone, my mom would say, you should pray for them. And it's really hard to be mad at someone when you're praying for them. And like my brother would drive me crazy. And then I'd have to, my mom would be like, go pray for him. And I'd be like, oh, man, now I know I'm not going to be mad at him anymore. Okay, so the first thing I think we can do is prayer. And then after that prayer, there's just a general care that we can show for people, right? We can reach out. We can serve. And so as we love, as we seek to remove hate from ourselves, we pray, we care. And then the last thing is we share. We share Christ with them. Through our actions, through our words, we evangelize. And again... This is an opportunity for us to look inwardly first. When we're looking at how we feel about those around us, how am I doing? Are there people that I'm struggling with? Are there people that I'm hating? And we need to remove that. And then when we look outward around us, we love because of the light. And the last point of as we love in the light is that it is going to be revealed by our actions and our attitudes. We can't love someone if we're treating them poorly. That isn't love. This is a call to action that John is giving us. Love your brothers. This is not just a quote-unquote heart change that we're looking for, okay? We want the light to expand. If God is the light, and we walk in the light and we love in the light. Our desire is for that light to expand to those around us. And it's going to defeat the darkness. And we know that. And so our actions and our attitudes are going to reflect that desire to expand the light through love. There's that famous song, they will know we are, which sounds really depressing. I think we should amp that up. They will know we are Christians by our love, which it's not by our ideas, or our theology, or our programs, or our politics. They know we are Christians by our love. And so if we are going to love in the light with our attitudes and actions, again, we start by looking inward. And we look at myself. This week, as I'm working on this sermon, my wife and I were on a walk, and I had a very minor interaction, small interaction, not minor, a small interaction with another group of people as we walked past them. And I left that thinking, oh, man, sort of like grumbling, and I talked to Karen and I said, why is it that that was my response instead of I see that person as an image bearer of Christ who God loves and who I need to love? And it was, again, a very convicting week for me, so <laughs> great. Um, but again, we, our gut reaction is, is just to dismiss people. And that is so against God's heart for them. And so if God is light, we walk in the light, our actions are going to emulate that. And so just a couple uh, application points here at the end. If we're going to expand the light, what does that look like? Well, first of all, I do. I think we need to work on reminding ourselves to view people as image bearers of Christ. We need to, with every person we interact with, work on loving them more as Christ loves them. And I can promise you, we can all improve on that, right? If we look inward, we can all do a better job. Again, I think that the thing I shared earlier, the prayer, care, share, is a good application that we can practically apply to the relationships that we have in this world um, there can be it can be really anybody but oftentimes I think of sort of we always say well who are your neighbors are you evangelizing your neighbors are you reaching out to your neighbors do they even know your name well start with prayer if you don't have a relationship with your neighbor start praying for them and then work and look for opportunities where you can care for that neighbor and then those will bring about the opportunities to share with that neighbor or whoever it is And I think the last thing that we need to to apply here is just this inward look of evaluating our heart. What is my heart desire? What does it look like? Am I being selfish? Am I allowing hate to trump love? What is going on with my heart? And I think if we can evaluate that, we will soon see how sinful our heart is. And I'm sure many of you are already well aware Um, but we can continue to improve in our love and in expanding the light. And let's pray. God, we love you. Uh, We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We ask that we continue to grow more like you uh, because of the Spirit's work. God, allow us to hear better from you. Allow us to um, get more out of our times with you. Uh, Change our hearts. Change our spirits so that we are able to digest appropriately what you are feeding us. Help us to love others. Help us to be light to those around us. Help that light of life that you are to expand and to go to all nations. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. It's all standing.